Welcome to Let's Get Writing, the podcast that explores the creative process of writing from books, scripts, plays, and poems to songs and blogs. This series focuses on authors, publishers, and artists. Catherine's guests share their process of writing in all its forms. Listen along to discover personal journeys behind their work, explore options from indie to traditional publishing, and learn tips and secrets to inspire you. Welcome to Let's Get Writing. Hello, everyone. Well, I've got my once a year, I always wear it around Valentine's Day, my cowboy hat from Texas with the hearts on it. So I'm here to welcome you to Let's Get Writing this week. And I'm your host, Katherine Taylor. This show, as you know, is all about the writing process from creation to publication. And here is where we share the stories behind the stories. And I like to say we bring life to books. So please subscribe to my YouTube channel at Katherine Taylor TV, and we'll keep you informed of all our new episodes. Well, love is in the air this week with Valentine's Day right around the corner. And of course, our subject with our book, which is called The Love Olympics, is love in all its various forms. Now, my guest this week lives in St. John's, Newfoundland and Labrador, and she holds a PhD in English and is an experienced editor, teacher, translator, and writer, which of course brings her to Let's Get Writing. And I'd like to welcome her to the show right now. And let's ask her to join me. She'll be right up here. Claire Wilkinson, or Wilkshire, excuse me. Excuse me, Claire, on that. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Catherine. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, it's a pleasure. And I thought, what a great time to have a book entitled The Love Olympics. And um, we just want to share all that love of writing with our viewers. And we also want to find out everything between the pages of your book. And it's um, a warm and engaging, wonderful, surprising stories that all are centered around love in many forms. And it called the Love Olympics Claire. And so the first thing I want to do is ask you, how did you come up with that name? Well, um, I had started writing the book. I'd started writing a few stories and realizing that I had that I was coming to have enough for a collection and I had to think about what united them, what kept them together. And uh, so as I was driving along the road one day, I thought, well, if they're really about love, that's the connection. And I was thinking about how with love, sometimes you, you know, you have all kinds of different, sometimes you have bursts of love or you have enduring love. Or, and it was, it did strike me as a bit like the Olympics, all these different kinds of events. Some are longer, some are slower, some are more complicated. And uh, I thought, wow, I kind of like the title, The Love Olympics. That would be uh, a good idea. But I didn't have a story called The Love Olympics. So I had to sit down and write one. And it came really quickly. And I just thought, OK, got to write a title story. Here we go. Bang. And it was fun. Yeah. And I found that one. Actually, I'm going to take my hat off now that I've, I've established we're talking about love and Valentine's. Um, but I found one right at the end of the book, that cute little one about the Love Olympics. And I love your connection to, you know, the Olympics and the different things that you have to do. And we're right in the middle of it right now. So it couldn't be a better time to be talking about Love Olympics. 
Um, and here's the cover for everyone to see. And Claire, I'm just going to actually, I'm just going to hide this for a minute so everyone can see your necklace because it's kind of cute the way you've um, tied that into things. Let's see here. Aha, uh -huh. there we go. Yeah, and the cover of the book. Hey, branding. <laughs> I love it. So, Claire. This is by Hillside crafts in Tours Cove and they were at the craft fair where I was doing a signing and it was the first signing I'd done and I saw the rings and thought oh that's the cover of my book I need the necklace and you do and it can go with you now to every signing it, it'll be kind of like your thing rather nice and it's nice when those things happen serendipitously and things show up and we can we can draw on them so Claire, short stories, um, not everyone writes short stories these days. And we, I think we had discussed that before this interview. How did you, you did write a book before Maxine, which was a full novel. How did you land in this area of short stories and why? I started writing short stories and the novel was sort of an accident. It was a story that just got longer and longer, but uh, I've always been interested in the short story. Uh, it was what I studied at university, the Canadian short story. And um, I wrote a doctoral dissertation on voice in the contemporary Canadian short story at uh, UBC. So it's, I've read a lot of short stories. I love short stories. I love the brevity, the variety, the fact that you get a whole kind of smorgasbord of things in one book rather than one single narrative. Yeah, and as you go through what I found, was so intriguing to me. I read one story and then I'm into the next one and I'm going, oh, hmm, I met that character in the last story. <laughs> and so <laughs> that really drew me in because I, I, I love the connections. And once I discovered that, I kept thinking, well, what's going to come up next? And each one of those, of course, brought a different perspective or a different way of looking at the character. Sometimes you were seeing it kind of through their eyes, and then you're seeing it a different, you know, a different way. So what about that technique? And was that part of your plan right from the beginning? Not maybe from the very beginning, but after I was a couple of stories in, I started to think I wanted to do that. I think in some ways uh, it evokes the place. It, these stories are all set in and around St. John's and it's a very uh, St. John's thing, that interconnectedness of the characters, that you could easily go to the drugstore to pick up a prescription and find that you're being served at the counter by someone uh, who is the, uh, you know, it could be the niece of your workout buddy or something like that. But you, and you might never know that. Those connections exist whether we are aware of them or not. So I was trying to convey that interconnectedness that you get in a short story cycle. And it certainly works. I found that it really drew me in, Thank you. as I said. Um, you mentioned St. John's, how all the stories are set there. W would you call St. John's a character perhaps as well? Or how do you, how do you see St. John's and the whole thing? Um, could the stories have happened without it? I don't know. I don't, I certainly don't think this book would have worked in Toronto. I don't think I could have said it there. There's not the same level of connection. And you're right that there is that sense of place as character. I think that's a very astute observation. St. John's is almost like a kind of throbbing organic uh, entity that links these, these stories in the book. And of course, if anyone's never been to St. John's, and I'm going to say you should go, you should go to, to Newfoundland, period, when you can. But St. John's is 
almost, I think if we look at it with fresh eyes, for example, if I'm flying in there and I look down and see the different colors and just see how, how small and unique the harbor is and how everything goes up from there and different places, the colors of the houses and the way they're attached. It's, you know, it's very, I don't know what it reminds me of, if it's like Portugal or, or, or just some very European or old, maybe just, you know, the roots are, have been there for a long time, the way it's constructed on the hills. And I think a lot of the literature in, in, in Europe, you've been a professor. I should be nervous here. Because <laughs> <laughs> you taught French and English at Memorial University. And, uh, but, you know, when I think of, of, you know, of St. John's and sort of that, that history, um, you know, I can't, I, I like you can't imagine those stories being the same anywhere else. It just seems like that's how it would work there. And how the roots go. And if we think of a lot of the material that's coming out of St. John's, we always see that kind of connection. Um, the, another author I've had on, um, Helen uh, Escott, she sees St. John's as a character in her books. And those are the, um, the detective series that she's done. So mm -hmm. it's, you're, not, you're not alone in that for sure. And I think much of the creative work that comes out with writing reflects that city. I think it's important to me to try to convey St. John's in a way that makes it recognizable to people who live here. First, I want them to feel like this is right, this is true, this is, this is accurate in its depiction of place, but also to give people who've never been able to come here some sense of what it looks like. Hmm. There are a lot of um, stereotypes out there about Newfoundland and about and about St. John's, but there are also a lot of great things out there about it, about the culture and the in the uniqueness of that city. It's uh, it is something else, and I don't think you could compare anything to being say on Signal Hill on a great day <laughs> and looking out at the ocean and just realizing next stop England, <laughs> and that's it. You are there on the edge of the world. Claire, yeah, Claire, a lot of your work, well, I guess you've seen a lot of work, you know, in your role as um, professor over the years, and then you took, you started your own business um, as an editor, and um, when I say the word editor, all of us writers, <laughs> there we go, oh, no, not the editor, um, but in that role, how, how did you how did you approach your book? Because you're both a writer and an editor. Did you edit your own book? I do edit quite a lot. Uh, so whatever I write, if I'm writing regularly, if I'm writing every day, then I will go over one day, whatever I wrote before, the day before. And that, that is actually the part I like the most. I think you cut out the stuff that you realize with fresh eyes you didn't really need in the first place and you think oh here's a place where I could expand this or oh I kind of like this part I'm going to do something more with this so yes it's very much part of the process I know that some people really want to get a full draft out first mm -hmm. before they do anything to it they just want to get the story laid down and I don't work that way I like to work a piece at a time and really go over it before I move on to the next piece. You know, Claire, that might be your training. It might be just the way that you do work with all the editing you've done over the years. But I also found that technique helpful to me when I was writing my book. I used to write a, a certain amount, and the next day I would take what I had written the day before, have a look at it, 
it helped me get into the feel of what I had written and where I was and kind of pick up that thread and go, okay, now where am I going? Um, so it's in interesting. And I've heard of other writers that do the same thing. Um, they tend to, to self-edit. So as you're going through, by the time you got through all your short stories and all together, was it was it in pretty good form then? Or did you, did you require further editing? Or was it just about there? I like to think that it was in pretty good shape. Um, but I, it certainly required editing. Uh, all books that are published with publishing houses get some kind of edit. And uh, I was very fortunate to have a fantastic editor in uh, Jessica Grant, who, uh, who wrote Come Thou Tortoise, which is an, an incredible book. And she's a superb editor. And I really felt that she was my ideal reader. She got my jokes. She understood always what I was trying to do. And she very tactfully agreed with me when I said, I don't think this is working um, in a particular story. So I had fantastic help from her. And, um, and Marianne Ward in Nova Scotia was my copy editor. And she was also very helpful. Oh, interesting. Um, Jessica, I know I did a program with her, a writing retreat, actually. Is she on the faculty at, at Memorial University? She has taught creative writing there in the past, but she's not doing uh, that at the moment. Yeah. yeah, but you're right. She's a wonderful person and, and guide. And the other lady you mentioned, I don't know, but I'm, you know, the copy editor. So Claire, um, yourself, are you doing much editing this day, um, well, actually, I guess I should put it this way. You are an editor now at Breakwater Books, and I was thinking in terms of independent editing. But tell us a little bit about what you're doing there and how you rolled into this position. Well, I would like to say, to begin with, that my book was accepted for publication by Breakwater long before it ever occurred to me that I might end up working there. So I certainly didn't submit my own book to myself and then accept it. Um, that's for sure. Um, so yeah, I'm very busy at Breakwater. We're very uh, active. Uh, we have lots of submissions coming in, lots of books that need editing. And I had decided to uh, back off a little from my business. As you know, Having your own business is a lot of work. It's all the time when you're not doing the actual business, you're doing the bookkeeping, you're posting things on social media, you're, it's just nonstop. And I decided I was going to move into semi-retirement and just take a little time and go to the gym more often and do all that stuff. And a couple of months into that, I, I heard there might be an opening at Breakwater and thought, wow, that would be a really amazing thing to do to be inside a publishing house, which is a, an aspect of editing I'd never done before. So I tried it out and a year and a bit later, I'm still there, lots to do, lots, lots of interesting projects. Mm -hmm. I imagine so. They've been putting out some very, very interesting um, books and um, and I, often I feel like they, they kind of take chances with what they put out. They don't just always put out standard material they put out plays they put out you know like to say your short story not everyone publishes short stories they put out um various different um publications and i've really been enjoying the materials that come across my desk from well all the newfoundland publishers but particularly breakwater these days i think that's a really important point you're quite right that a lot of publishers won't even look at a collection of short stories uh because 
there's not the same market that there is for a novel. So um, it's not necessarily very lucrative. So a publisher that will uh, that has a mandate to publish Newfoundland writing in many genres that will get behind poetry and plays and stories, uh, that's something I really feel is important and appreciate and respect. Yeah, I can see where it will be a great fit for you. And uh, so now in your role as editor, what what advice do you have for writers? We are a show about writing and we talk about books, but I do try to throw in um, advice when we have someone of your caliber here that can, you know, can show us what is it, what, how can we help writers when they're presenting books? Um, you know, and what things can they do? Well, um, People who want to submit a book to a publisher, they need to follow the submissions guidelines. So they need to find out what they are, go to the website and figure it out. Because some people just sort of assume they can submit th their own way and that might not be suitable. So the first thing is to look at how the publisher wants a book to be submitted, whatever the publisher is that's being approached. Also, some people think that they can sort of submit an early draft of a manuscript and that, well, the editor will probably see the, the you know, the, the gold inside the not very tidy manuscript and, and choose it and then it'll get worked up later. But it doesn't work like that. Um, you there's a lot of competition. Editors are very busy. Publishing houses are uh, tend to be understaffed. So... Everybody, nobody really has a lot of time to try and figure out what a manuscript might be like if it were in a better form. So you want to present your absolute best material that you can. And sometimes that means people hire editors independently before they even submit the book. Um, you, yeah. No, and then you have to be prepared to wait a long time for a response because unfortunately it's, it takes time for, to evaluate hundreds of manuscripts and to get a response back mm, so I, I, patience is a virtue <laughs> hard work and then patience i can imagine i can imagine it and i wanted to um i wanted to go back to your book now i i'd like to just talk a little about the stories in it and how you chose them and the the reason being i picked up the book and i read that first um i read that first story it's called uh, mothers <laughs> And it, re it really hit home for me. I have, honestly, I have to tell you, I, I read it and I read it at such a fast pace because it was like, how did she know this? I mean, what was she like living my life? And it was, it's all about for, for people who have not yet read it. It's about, you know, your kids growing up, going to university, dropping them off, the feelings that you have as a mother and how they they kind of parachute back in at Christmas, at Easter. And if, if it's like here in Newfoundland, many times they fly in, which would be what my, my kids did. They'd fly in and then they'd fly out. But you'd have to take them away when they were fairly young and just and leave them. You know, and this whole thing of having the SUV and shopping and filling it up with the toilet, everything you could think that you wanted your kid to have. Like in that story, like you just like took my breath away. I think I actually shed a few tears. I, I have to tell you, I did. I, I put it down and I went, oh, how did you, your mother, obviously you have had kids that went to university because you couldn't have written that otherwise, <laughs> I don't think. Thank you so much. It's really great to hear that it has resonated 
with you in that way. And um, I, I have to say it's that all the stories in the collection are certainly not autobiographical, but that one is fairly closely rooted in truth, let's see, in, in events that, that did actually take place. So I am very familiar with that kind of heartbreak and, um, and the, the many feelings that go along with it. And uh, um, it's, um, it's, it's a tough, tough situation for moms who have invested 20 odd years of their life into raising this person and then they wave goodbye and think, well, wow, that's it. That's it? <laughs> yeah. And you don't, and the thing about it too, Claire, is I don't think you realize it because you think, well, they're just going to university. But essentially, once they're out that door, uh, like they're never really back again. Like it's their independence, and and you know they come back with the laundry and the, <laughs> like those things you touched upon, and and it's great great times but they're only little blocks of time from there on in and even in and in another one of your stories um it was again about a mother sort of inserting herself into the, the life of her daughter at, at probably an unwelcomed time but yet a mother's thing that she had to do like these, these all resonated with me so much um so how, how did you choose your stories or where did they come from when we talk about love here we're not talking romance necessarily although that's there too but we're just talking about like love love that we have in our lives every day as we live that's that's how i you know how how i see it but where did you get your inspiration and ideas i think one thing that i've thought a lot about as i've gotten older is the importance of uh, my friends and how crucial a role they play in my life. So I wanted to celebrate not just the love of mothers for children, but also um, also the love of friends for one another and how friendships sustain us. And I've been very lucky to have some very close friends for a very long time. And they've just been enormously helpful to me in getting me through difficult times or um, emotional support in general. So I wanted to talk about what that experience is like to have those kinds of friendships because not everybody has those kinds of friendships, just especially in Newfoundland, it's geographical distance. People have to move away for work. Uh, you can't always hang on to the people that you're close to forever. So um, when you can, it's a very fortunate thing. Indeed. Claire, we, we had mentioned that you might read a, an excerpt. Are you, are you up for that? Sure. Okay. Well, didn't mean to spring All that right. normally. <laughs> I meant to mention it before we went to air, but we did talk about it. So oh, that's okay. Yeah. So this is from a story called Dating. Um, it's about someone who, uh, whose relationship with her husband has dissolved. And so she is, um, she's separated and she's looking to set up her own place and she's buying furniture uh, and she goes online. She's involved in an on online dating and that whole world. So at this point, she's walked into the furniture store and she's getting ready to buy a mattress. The man in the store was scrutinizing his clipboard, which seemed to hold mysterious mattress information, like which ones were in Grand Falls and which ones were in a warehouse outside Toronto and which ones might be going on sale. He was saying, there are a few factors to consider when you're looking at buying a mattress. There's 
how often it will be used. Is it for an adult or a child? A big man is going to need something different from a 12-year-old. He looked at her. This is for an adult? Yes, she said. For, would that be for um, daily use? He made this sound somehow illicit, as if going to bed at night were a gateway to something unmentionable. He dropped his eyes back down to the clipboard and scribbled something as she said yes again. He cleared his throat. And this is for, uh, <clears throat> for yourself? Was he wondering why she was buying a bed now at this stage in her life? Or did she have almost divorce stamped across her face? She watched him watching her as she nodded. She felt the heat rising up her neck to her cheeks. She sat on beds that felt like concrete with a layer of fluff on top. Beds she sank into like a coin into a fountain. Beds that were more comfortable than anything she'd ever slept on. It's no good just sitting, he said. You need to get right up there. Put your feet up. You have to feel how your weight is distributed. She was Goldilocks on her back, shielding her eyes from the track lighting on the showroom ceiling. She followed the directions of this man who was talking about her weight and watching her lie down. She turned obediently onto her side, which meant that she was looking straight at a spot between his knee and groin as he stood two feet away. A series of folds extended from his fly toward the pockets of his grey dress pants like rays beaming out from a happy core. His voice wafted down. This is our top of the line, he said. Look how many pocket coils there are for the queen. It's a ratio. What do you think? It's nice and firm, right? Yeah. Yeah, you can feel the difference. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, okay, let me just get my back up here with you. Claire, um, that's so funny. It, there's a lot of humor in your work as well, which I didn't mention. But um, it's very funny. In my book, I also had a scene where um, my heroine was buying a bed, and it was called, it turned out to be the bed of enticement. Some similarities. Ooh. <laughs> Somebody there to entice sales, but she bought it and, and it unraveled from there. But it was it was kind of fun. So that gives people a little taste of, of, of your writing, which I hope that they enjoy. There's so much to you, Claire. I all my guests, I mean, when, when they come on, I think, oh, I'm writing I'm interviewing someone who's written a book, but all of a sudden I found out you've been a professor and that you, you know, you're an editor now. But also, I haven't mentioned yet, you were also the director of the francophone choir in St. John's, La Rose de Vaux. Yeah. So tell us briefly about that before we wrap. Um, I originally started conducting the choir because all the French-speaking conductors had um, had left town. We couldn't, we couldn't get another one. I used to sing in the choir, and we just ran out of uh, people who were available to conduct, and someone said, oh, well, Claire can give it a shot, and uh, I don't have really a background in music, but I'd sung in a couple of choirs, and I loved it, and I took it on, and over the last dozen years or so, I've learned quite a bit about conducting, and I just absolutely love it. My singers are fabulous. They're lovely people. We have great time. Well, and and perhaps it'll be a, a short story about a choir. I didn't get through completely through the book. Maybe there is one in there. <laughs> no, maybe, maybe a novel. <laughs> There's a lot to say about choirs. <laughs> there are a lot. We have a wonderful choir here in central Newfoundland, um, Cantus Silva, under Michael Snellgrove. So it's, it's been fun to be part of that. And, um, and it's a wonderful community in and of itself. Well, I want to thank you so much for your time, Claire, and uh, for sharing your stories with us. And to everyone out there, thank you for supporting Let's Get Writing. And we'll see you again soon. 
next week, perhaps with our next guest. Thanks so much, Claire. Thank you very much for the invitation, Catherine. Thanks so much for listening. We'd love to hear from you. So please let us know what you thought of this episode and share your ideas for future guests or topics. You can email us at letsgetwriting at katherinetaylor.ca. Don't forget to subscribe and even leave a review. And if you love this episode, share it with a friend. Until next time, believe in yourself and let's get writing.